You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. The number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. The phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. We've had a caller already in today's show. Shane called in earlier on, and we appreciate him hopping on the show with us. We had Christian Page of CoverOne.net in that first hour. If you miss any portion of ever, there is a show on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama with all the line. Go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Hour number two here starting 3 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've talked about a lot today who will be the best recruiter on both sides of the football, but now we need to get to basketball. We have not talked about the colossal matchup tomorrow for Auburn basketball. Take it on the second-ranked Baylor Bears, and you know what that means. It's time for crunching the numbers with Sting. How you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, Noah. Thanks for having me back on always always you're the numbers guy you're the finance major in school and uh you you know a little bit more about math than both of us do just a little and and it's probably been a pretty crazy week too for let's don't get into this but i I just want to you know give the slight nod there a little bit it's probably been a pretty crazy week for those finance people out there yeah (laughs) yeah it kind of has it's been fun to watch to the moon (laughs) (laughs) but Keeping it going here, crunching the numbers with Sting. We're talking about basketball here. What what do you got? Let, let's go through this. What do, what do you got on your personal scouting report for the second-ranked Baylor Bears coming into this ballgame? All right, so we all know that Baylor's the number two team in the country. Like, they're 15-0, 8-0 on the road, 7-0 at home. It didn't really hit me until today just how much better they are at everything that Auburn does. Like It's not just Auburn, though. They're better than everybody. everybody. Right, but like, you Except know, for Auburn's maybe Gonzaga. three-pointers, right? So they shoot lots of threes. Baylor shoots more threes per game than Auburn does, and they also make 44% of those threes. That's the best in the entire country. And I was looking at the numbers, and it's like a bunch of small schools around them, like Colgate and South Dakota State, and it's just like Baylor at the top. Which so, adds some weight to it, because oftentimes that is the case. Oftentimes you will see these smaller schools, these mid-majors in one category, like they'll have one stat category that they are just... They just dominate. That they are astronomical at, just through the roof. And uh, as Levi just said, to the moon. And that is the category for Baylor that I think you would point to is astronomical, but they dominate in a lot of stat categories, even just more than the Mm three-pointers. Yeah, I mean... And their margin of victory is insane, too. You know, like I said, this this game is in Waco. Baylor has won all seven of their home games this season. They're 7-0, and 15-0. It's by an average margin of 32.1 points per game at home. 32. So. What can you yeah. do? I, I, what can I you don't do? know. Um, lose by 20? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's beat pretty the, good. Beat the average? <laughs> Honest question, though, and – 
I think most of us in this room, I don't know, Levi's a little bit of a wild card. And honestly, after yesterday's list that you gave me about top non-conference games in the SEC, I would, you know, I would believe that you would give me uh, something off the wall here on a pick in this game. So I might exclude you from where we're at right now. But Jackson, I I think you and I probably are a little bit more on the on the side that Baylor's going to win this game. Yeah, ba- <laughs> Baylor's going to win. Like Auburn will, <laughs> Auburn will keep it competitive for a little while, but it's just are they going to do better than what they did against Gonzaga? That's yes, that's the question a I would team ask. Than when they played Gonzaga, sure. So they and a better do player better is that. on the floor by the name of Sharif Cooper. What yeah. other stats you got for us? So I got. Baylor's forcing 19 turnovers a game. As you know, Auburn probably turns it over on their own like 17 times a game. So that's a really bad matchup. 16.6 turnovers per game. That's yeah. actually 20th worst in the country. Yeah. And then Baylor is forcing 19. So I have a bad feeling that Auburn's going to turn the ball over more than their average, which is already really, really high. You know who's at the front of that Baylor defense that's out there getting the pokes? Davion Mitchell. That's right. I don't know if he leads the team in steals. He doesn't. He's second on the team in steals per game. The leading steal man, the leading thief on the Baylor defense, Jared Butler with 2.3 steals per game. Davion Mitchell at 2.2. That's outrageous. Yeah. and Auburn, That's a lot. So, so when Auburn turns the ball over more than 14 times, they're 5-7 and seven on the year. So all seven of their losses, they've turned the ball over a lot. And they're five and zero. They, they turn it and they probably turned it over more than their opponent did. Yeah, probably. Majority of the games this year, that's been the case for Auburn. Auburn, when they turn the ball over a lot more than their opponent, they lose. When it's been you know about one or two difference, they've they've been in the game for the most part. To, yeah, and then if they don't turn it over at their average, they it seems like they win. So that's the key, I think, or one of the keys. Sure, I think you're hitting it all. I think you're hitting the spots that Levi and I are later on when we get to kind of keys for this game, or really we might get into it this segment here. I mean, the three-point line is going to be a big point of contingency in this game. We talked about the trenches in football. The trenches in in this game tomorrow between Auburn and Baylor is going to be the three-point line. Whoever is more successful, I shouldn't say more successful, because Auburn could be just barely a little bit more successful than Baylor I think Auburn's got to be grossly more successful, like a lot, a lot, a lot more successful than Baylor. Substantially. Huge. They've got to dominate the three-point line if Auburn wants to win this game tomorrow. Yeah, on both sides. Offensively shooting and defending the three. Well, there has to be a huge gap in three-pointers made at the end of the day if Auburn's going to win this game. And I don't know if they can do that because Baylor's going to get theirs on their home floor. I, that's going to be a that's going to be a huge test because that's where Baylor wants to score the ball. Auburn loves to pull the trigger from that side of the floor as well. That that is where the trenches are tomorrow. Yeah. Auburn being the top shot blocking team in the country doesn't feel like it holds a lot of weight going into this game. Yeah, I don't think it'll matter much because they get a lot of those blocks in the paint in the post. So now I'll say this about Baylor though, shooting fifty five percent from two, that's forty seventh in the country. They are a good interior presence as well. They do go down low with it. This Baylor team shoots the ball a lot. They're just balanced. They are balanced. They can, they, they can do it all, and they can do it all well. What other stuff you got for us? I don't actually have anything else. Oh, wow. That. Yeah. There you go. We're gonna, working on a bit of a short clock, but <laughs> yeah, but no. You I hit mean, the major points, though. Yeah. You, you did. Three-point line is the place to be, and then turnovers. Those are the two places you look at it, which brings Levi and I to our next piece of this conversation. And Sting, feel free to stick around for this as well. The three most important things that Auburn has to do tomorrow. 
They have to do these things to beat Baylor. What are they? For me, the most important thing. I think we agree on this one. The most important thing that Auburn has to do tomorrow, I think, is knock down threes. They have to knock down threes and defend the three. It's th- it's three. It's three. Well, I've got to defend yeah. the three on my list somewhere okay, else. So I say I just I'll lump that into one thing. Just sure. The three point line is the key. You have to. You literally just said it. It has to be grossly different. Auburn has to win that category. They have to dominate that category tomorrow. They absolutely have to. And I don't. I don't think that they can do that. That is the issue. But to win. They absolutely have to dominate the three-point line. The great equalizer in college basketball is the three-point shot. Unfortunately, one of the teams in this category is the best in the country at it, and that is Baylor, not Auburn. And that that's hard, especially when when teams such as Baylor are able to when when teams such as Baylor are able to shoot the three-ball so effectively, you end up getting a college basketball product that is akin to the Golden State Warriors of the NBA when they were in their dominant stretch, their dynasty in the NBA. That's what ends up happening. Yeah. I mean, Most of the time, it's the great equalizer for inferior teams. But when you run into the team that also does it really well, it kind of nullifies that that stat category for you. Yeah, I mean, you can do all of that really well, but then the problem is that if Baylor plays decently well too, they run you out of the building. So, Precisely. And that's what the Warriors did. It was only, It was a matter of time. It was only a matter of time before the teams like the Warriors. It, it was not. It was not. Will the run come? It was when will the run come? And and there was always just felt like when they won, there was going to be a run that you know dug the sword deep. It took you out. It impaled you. There there could be a 12-0, 20-0 run of just threes over a span of two or three minutes that just impaled you and impaled your team and ended you in that moment. There's no coming back from it because it's even harder throughout the rest of the game to stop them to to at least get the stops to be able to make a 20-point comeback that's the other thing with Baylor that they do so well I've already pointed out what they do on the inside and you look on KimPom.com's rankings right now and adjusted offensive efficiency they're third in the country and adjusted defensive efficiency they're first in the country so not only are you going against the team that's best at defending their own bucket but you're also trying to get the third best team at scoring the basketball to keep them off the scoreboard this is like playing the Kansas City Chiefs you can't fall behind against the Kansas City Chiefs and hope to make a comeback because good luck. I mean, you're in the same situation as the Buffalo Bills were this past weekend. And why I even just could not understand why the Bills were electing to kick field goals. That's not how you make this comeback. That's not how you overcome this deficit. You have to score and keep them off the board. And that, like, the Bears, the Baylor Bears represent the Kansas City Chiefs, the Golden State Warriors, and other juggernauts that have had just elite offenses. And if they can put a lead on you, they're running with it. And they're running you out of the building. They're running you out of the building if they put a lead on you. You you absolutely cannot fall behind in this game. That was actually one of my points was you cannot let the deficit get too large too early on. You absolutely cannot because if that happens – What's too large? I mean, I'm talking about early on. If you're falling down by 15 within the first, I actually think portion, it's 10. I think if yeah. Auburn falls down by, you know, 10 in the first five minutes, I have to qualify That's, that with the yes. time period because if Auburn's only down by 10 at, you know, the 10 minute mark of the first half, obviously Auburn could go on a run that gets them back in it. But staying down by 10, it can't stay like that for long periods of time because it's like I said, it's only a matter of time before Baylor hits that run that impels you, that ends it. And, you also, and also, if you start off like that, 
confidence is gone. The biggest, one of the biggest things Auburn has right now is just a little bit of momentum playing well. They got the win over Missouri the other night. You cannot go into this game with all that momentum and just get down early and to your point quick. It cannot be, you know, five minutes in, you look up, you're down by 10, 11, 15 points. It's over at that point. That game is over. And that's not to say that you couldn't make a comeback. It's just highly unlikely with this team that you will do that. The other thing, you've already said defend the three. Defend the three is on my list as well, so we'll just include that. We're on the same page with our with our three. The three most important things that Auburn has to do, because if this isn't on your list, I'm confused on this one. Limit turnovers. Baylor's out there turning folks over in the top percentage of the country. They're turning folks over. Auburn, unfortunately, is 20th worst in the country at turning the basketball over themselves. Auburn's gotten a lot better at it in SEC play over the last couple of games but now they're going against a team that gets after you and there's a reason why Baylor's defensive efficiency is number one in the country and and it's not just number one in Kim Palm's rankings because they're you know a top five team it's like I was sitting there at number four and they're the 100th 100th best defensive team in the country they're at 100 in, in defensive efficiency margin it's possible to be towards the top of these rankings without having a great defense Baylor's got a great defense and what stems from that is that they push you with turnovers. And once you turn the basketball over, that's another thing that feeds their run of three-pointers falling. You turn the basketball over, there's another bucket on the other end of the floor easy for them. And now you're feeding them while you're staying off the scoreboard. You have to, absolutely, at any level, any level of basketball, turnovers should be on every team's key to the game. If it's not on there, what are you doing? Because that is that is literally, at this day and age of basketball, with how fast teams are playing and an aggressive defense, that is what loses you basketball games and wins it for the other team. It is, it is gift-wrapping it for opposing teams. And we've said it all year about this team. Not even just this game in general, but this game so much more because of the team you're playing and how good they are on that defensive side. Also, just to throw in a quick little honorable mention, someone other than Sharif Cooper has to have a monster game. You need Sharif Cooper to have a monster game, and you need someone else, if not two or three more people, to have a monster game. I'll tell game. you who that is. It's Alan Flanagan. He you had a great stat plus. on that. Yeah. When when Flanagan struggles, Auburn struggles. That's what it is. Every What's the time, stat on that? Do you have it? Uh, yeah. Every time that Flanagan has scored less than double figures, I believe Auburn has lost. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, there's I the guy. I need to there's double the, check that. There's the time, guy that. There's the guy that needs to step up right there. You need Alan Flanagan and Sharif Cooper to have monster games along with some other players. Let me tell you, Sting didn't give away all of his secrets. There's an article at RadioAlabamaSports.net. Auburn looking to do the unthinkable. You go and find that at RadioAlabamaSports.net. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater and find the show wherever you get your podcast. Number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. We want to get your thoughts on tomorrow's basketball game. Talked a lot about recruiting today. Recruiting for Auburn. Want to hear from you about that. Anything you've got on your mind talk to us once again the number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 we've gotten to discuss a lot about the Auburn football schedule during this week since it dropped on Wednesday but we haven't steered the discussion yet 
towards this main question. There always seems to be in special years for Auburn, and I'm not saying that Auburn's going to have a special year next year, but when Auburn does something, when, when a new coach comes in, it always feels like there's a catalyst game. There's a game that leads to massive amounts of success for an, an Auburn coach, or at least that's how it happened for Gus Malzahn. That game was the Texas A&M game, right? And, and, and for, for Brian Harson to have a big year this upcoming year for Auburn if he's going to do more than than more than the mediocrity that maybe you and I have suggested could be upon Auburn this upcoming year because you and I've said it we think that it's going to be a lean year and that you look at the schedule it's lending a hand to you know seven eight regular season wins but there are some teams on there that if Auburn were to beat it turns from just a okay first season to being a huge first year what could be that catalyst game for Brian Harson? going into his first year when you're looking at this schedule it's an obvious one for me and it's the Georgia game I think you look at that game Perfect. and if you win that game that is the game that shoots you again to the moon as everybody keeps saying now I think that is the game because you look at the two games before that that are on the road that are big games where you have at Penn State you have at LSU yes it's good to win those games but theoretically Auburn should be a better team than LSU and I think this is a better team than Penn State is going into the year as well so you would get a good confidence boost it'd be a good win but it's not like you're going and beating the big bad Georgia who has been just bullying you for the past however many years it's been the thorn in Auburn's side the Georgia Bulldogs have and I just think that if you go into that game and win that game it's it's a it's going to spark something great in this team it's a legitimizer game it's the game that Auburn, has, as you've said, has been bullied in. It's the game that Auburn has not gotten over the hump in. And I mean, LSU on the road as well, but at least Auburn's beaten LSU at home. My thing is, if Auburn loses to LSU on the road in Baton Rouge, they can recover if they beat Georgia the next week at home. And Georgia's still going to be a tough team to beat, but I, I, I think that that one is more important to win than the LSU game if you're talking about having an explosive year this year from that moment on you beat Georgia at home you're going to beat Arkansas on the road the next week take a bye week after that you're going to come back at home you're going to beat Ole Miss on the road at A&M if you beat Georgia at home and this A&M team is probably going to take a big step back this year you beat Georgia at home I think you feel confident going into College Station oh don't look now you've won four in a row then you got Mississippi State and South Carolina probably the two weakest SEC teams on your schedule next year you're going to beat both of those going to the Iron Bowl and the Iron Bowl, you might be a one-loss SEC team on that front. Now, nothing ever goes magically as planned when you're talking about Auburn football, and you'd love to dream, right? And I'm not saying settle for mediocrity or whatever. It's going to be a tall task for Auburn to do what we're suggesting right here. But talking about the catalyst game for Auburn football next year to what could turn next year's season from just being average into being something huge, to being something big, it's the Georgia game. I think it's even more important than the game in Baton Rouge. We got a caller on the line with us now. It's Travis joining us on the show. I think this is the second time this week. Travis, how you doing today, my man? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Yeah, I, I called last Friday, and uh, I'm off work at Friday at 3 o'clock, so I'm able to call in usually. Throughout, I'm, I'm, I'm off at 4, so I just miss y'all. But uh, how you guys been doing this week? We've been, we've been doing great. How you been doing? Doing good, man. I, I wanted to mention something about the recruiting um, and, and I and I, I understand what y'all are saying about Mike Bobo and, and Will Friend and Derek Mason. 
it makes a lot of sense um, with, with their SEC ties. And, you know, a point about Derek Mason real quick is that guy, when he's recruiting at Stanford and Vanderbilt, the first thing he's got to do is go look at a kid's ACT score. Sure. And if it's not over 30, I mean, he can't even pursue him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But I think the, mo- the most important is, is Cadillac, number one, because he's got – an immediate impact that he can make on next year's recruiting class with Emmanuel Henderson committing March 13th. It's between Alabama and Auburn right now. I believe that Cadillac can lock him down just because of a depth standpoint. Uh, you've got Tank going into his sophomore year. Um, more than likely, he's got just two years left, and Henderson can come back or he can come in as a freshman, split time with Tank, and then be the main guy his sophomore year. And so I think that's huge for Cadillac um, to land a running back like that of, uh, of that caliber. That's the number one overall running back in that class for, of 2022 uh, coming out of Hartford, Alabama, Manuel Henderson. That would be huge. And, and Carnell Williams, and we, we've, we've talked briefly about Carnell in the show so far, and the big knock on Carnell right now, it, it, you can't fault him for it because he hasn't been doing it for that long, but he's only been recruiting for two years. And the, and the guy – that he's mainly brought in up to this point it is only Tate Bigsby, but you're right. In terms of building out a legacy and putting a stamp as one of the better recruiters on this staff, it would be to lock down a guy like Henderson. Yeah, if he, if he can go out and get Tank in, in his, his first year and then and then get follow it up with Henderson, I think that'd be a, a huge resume builder for him. And the other one, I tell you, to watch out for this guy, and I know he's not – he don't have any SEC ties, and he's, he's, he's been at smaller schools, but Zach Etheridge on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think probably behind Derrick Mason, he's who I would put at number two just because of the potential impact that he could have on recruiting. Um, he's got, you know, Auburn only has two commits for next year. They're both DBs and Brian Dilworth from, from Florida and Jarrell Stinson from Opelika. Um, and then, you know, this year, as far as trying to fill some spots in this class, you got Jawan Gaston from Carver as a remaining target and Dante Balfour from the state of Florida as well. So I think Etheridge could have an immediate impact recruiting-wise if he can lock down these guys in the next four or five days before National Signing Day next Wednesday. And then, you know, he's already got two commits for next year that, that haven't decommitted yet. And then also Shamar James is an athlete out of, uh, out of Faith Academy down there in Mobile. And um, he's a guy that he's about six three. He's got good length to him. He can play receiver or defensive back, and uh, and so that's another one that Zach that uh, that Zach Etheridge could have a huge impact on as well. And I agree with that a hundred percent. We didn't get to touch on that earlier today, but Zach Etheridge, one of the things that came out about him was when he talks, it makes makes the hair on the back of your neck stand. And if you can't tell me that that guy who can do that can't recruit. Oh, you're lying to me because a guy who can make the hair on the back of your neck stand, he can get you to come to Auburn, and he has a lot of pride in this university. He's got a great story, too. Oh, yeah, he's come through a lot, and I I agree with you 100%. I think that he is a dark horse to become a lethal recruiter on this Auburn coaching staff. Yeah, and, and you know, the recruiting game hadn't changed too much in the last decade whenever he was getting recruited by multiple SEC schools. And, yeah, like like his story with his, with his – uh, him getting paralyzed and everything, he's got a lot to live for, and, he, and he, he's a hard worker. And I know he's been at smaller schools, but he knows what SEC recruits want to hear because he's been one in you know, the last 12 years or whatever. And so I think he can have a huge impact on the defensive side of the ball. But, um, guys, I tell you what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a prediction, 
And uh, it might sound a little crazy to y'all, but number one, I think Alabama does get beat by Oklahoma tomorrow morning. And then I think Auburn at 3 o'clock upsets Baylor. That'd be a huge day for Auburn fans. I know people would be grinning ear to ear. A lot of the people listening to this show, if that happens, that that hey, that's I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I know Levi. I know you, you you touched on that a little bit. Uh, you think that Auburn can match up pretty well with them, but if Cambridge and Flanagan can knock down shots from the outside, you know Auburn's going to get multiple alley oops from Sharif. But if they can knock down the outside shot, like I was just talking about in the last segment, man, they got a chance. They do, and they're going to have to defend the three-point line as well. Travis, thanks for hopping on with us, my man. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. Appreciate Travis hopping on with us again, uh, as he does it. now, second Friday in the row. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. And talking about his Bama prediction there to lose to Oklahoma, if you're not following college basketball as closely as we do here in the studio, you might have missed – that Oklahoma knocked off a highly ranked Texas team in the middle of the week in the Red River rivalry, it's possible with the type of momentum that they're pulling in going into this weekend, they're on their home floor, that they could take it to Alabama this upcoming game. Oklahoma is ranked 24th. Even if they lose to Bama in this game, I wouldn't be shocked if they move up a spot or two in the polls after beating a top 10 team already this week and a team ranked higher than Alabama. I think, what, is Texas number five? Can someone confirm yeah, that for me? Texas yeah, Texas five. a five. I mean, they, they upset Texas already. It's possible. And this Alabama team, over the past two games, really hasn't shot the ball that great. They really haven't shot the ball that great. Talk about a team that lives lives and dies by the three. They've been living right now. They've, They've been, been living, living real They've good. Been living. They've been living real good. But you know, it only takes one game for for someone to for someone to snap up and, and get them. And Oklahoma's playing really well right now. Auburn's got a tall task against Baylor, and we'll pick that later on. I, I don't I don't know if I can get that far. I might say that both of the Alabama basketball teams this, this week this weekend will will lose in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. It, it this this year's SEC Big Twelve Challenge just doesn't look fair. It, it doesn't look fair. It's fun. It's a lot of good matchups. So I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't know. I mean, LSU is playing Texas Tech. That's probably too tall of a task for the Bayou Bengals. Florida's got to play a top twelve West Virginia team. Missouri, I think, will beat TCU. Alabama's got to go on the road to Oklahoma. Even one of your you know SEC champions, you know that that would champion this conference over the weekend. They got to go to Oklahoma. Auburn's got to go to the number two team in the country. Hey, I don't know if it, it was a I don't know if it was a fair schedule. Tennessee's down right now playing Kansas. That's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. We got more of on the line coming up on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've had several callers today. If you want to join that group, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Talked a little bit about Auburn Baylor tomorrow. Even got Travis on the line with us earlier saying that Alabama's going down tomorrow. That one I think is a lot more likely than taking down Baylor tomorrow for Auburn. I, I, I would be on the verge of picking something like that. We've had a lot of calls today about 
recruiting and about who who people think are going to be the the best recruiters on this staff and something that Travis touched on there Zach Etheridge and I didn't really get to I didn't put any of my two cents on that before he got off the line I think I think Zach Etheridge is going to pan out I do I, I think when you look at on that side of the football you know Derek Mason is going to be my primary number one recruiter who I think is going to do the best on that side of the ball right away at least but Zach Etheridge I think he's already bringing with him a pedigree of developing guys but he's got to be a charismatic dude and when you've got that kind of story to tell that he had when he was here at Auburn I was at the game I was at the game where he got hurt in against Ole Miss rainy day it was nasty Uh, I believe that was 2009 and I remember him putting the thumbs up and the crowd you know obviously erupting and everything and he's got a story to tell on his on his way back and obviously what Auburn means to him and when you believe in what you're selling it makes it a lot easier to sell it and he he obviously believes in Auburn and, and as the creed says as the creed says he believes in Auburn and loves it yeah it's not it's not a facade it's not him it's real it's not him blowing smoke he loves this place there's no reason he he wouldn't come back if he didn't love it as much as he does so I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that and on that point he believes in Auburn and he loves it and it's easy to sell when you truly in your heart believe it and when you have a way with words the way Zach after does he can he can speak to people and also what Travis said about uh it wasn't that long ago he knows what a lot of these guys are thinking in a sense and 12 years ago yeah I mean it's not too far off 11 years since he graduated and he understands he understands what these guys are going through and I think that speaks volumes as well another guy on the defensive side of the ball that I think will end up being a successful recruiter I think the track record at the position is going to sell itself that you can say Derek Brown Marlon Davidson Carl uh Carl Lawson Matravius Adams several other names added to that list D Ford Auburn's got defensive linemen in the league all over the place yep Corey Lemonier was in the league I don't even know if he still is but he was a third round pick Auburn has sent guys highly drafted to the league since you know time immemorial you know that's been the position group for Auburn that is that is consistently is going to have great players on it at the collegiate level but since Gene Chizik's been here there have been guys all over the place going to league even go back to Tommy Tuberville make Quentin Groves another guy who was in the league for quite some time Auburn's put out some great defense some great defenders into the NFL especially on that defensive line I mean the, the names just keep going I mean Carlos Dansby wasn't a defensive lineman but you know he had what seemed like a 20-year career in the NFL I mean the the, the numbers go on and on on that side of the football and the track record's going to speak for itself so not only does he have the development in his in his bag there coming into to Auburn but the thing about Eason is he's got to be a charismatic guy they really must believe in this guy bringing him in it was a quick hire it's not like it took long to make this hire on the defensive line it was a very quick turnaround I mean the news broke about Rocker back on Sunday now how how much how long was there in between you know Auburn finding out that Rocker might be taken off and then you know the news being reported from Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports on Sunday we don't know but it only took a couple of days to get a guy like Eason in you look at his career so many people have spoken highly of him he was a captain on the Clemson football team when he was in college that speaks a lot to his persona the fact that he was at when he was playing in the NFL you look that he was at places for three four years he was not a problem guy he was he was with the Browns for three years he was with the Steelers for four years he was with the Cardinals for two before he retired that was his career 
And it's not like he was a dominant piece on the line. He averaged a little over a tackle a game he played in. He had 132 tackles to 117. Maybe I'm just, you know, really reading too much into it, but I, I think he had to have been liked if he wasn't let go at any point. I don't I don't think you're reading too much into it. I think there's been a lot of instances that show that. I mean, the second his career ends, he goes to be an intern on the Brown staff, correct? And that's also true. You don't then, just jump out and go and get a job right away. Especially in from player to coach. That is very yeah. rare. So well, he, two years removed from him not playing football, he already had a job as an on field coach. Exactly. That just does Folks not believe happen. in him. Yeah. He has He's given them something, whether it is a way with his words. He People like him. He gives off a good charisma, personality. We said that a lot today. We've talked a lot about charisma and personality today. So I'm taking a shot here that Nick Eason is going to end up being a solid recruiter for the defensive line because he's got a great thing to sell already, the track record and the pedigree of Auburn's defensive line and some other high-profile names out there that will be able to help him do it, you know, that are at that next level with Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and you know, the, the list goes on and on. Just those guys most recently. I mean, he's already got Carl Lawson vouching for him being hired at Auburn. You know, I, he's got to have some some level of charmingness, you know, if that's even a word. He's got to be charming, you know, to go and to be able to walk into some of these rooms. And I think he's going to be able to sell the program, even though he's never been here before. He's got no Auburn connection. He's going to he's going to be selling his development and being able to put guys in the league. And then, you know, he's got a Pro Bowl track record with guys as well. I mean, Jarrell Casey, Geno Atkins. Atkins was already a pro bowler before he got a hold of him, but he helped Jarrell Casey be a big deal for the Tennessee Titans while he was there. I think Eason's going to do well. The Auburn defensive staff, I'm definitely more confident in as recruiters than the offensive side of the ball. Carnell Williams, I think, will be is fine. I don't know if he's proven a, a ton on the recruiting trail, although he, he, he brings Tank Bigsby in, but he lost Armani Goodwin. You know, and the Armani Goodwin thing, there's a lot going against Auburn on that one. There's the fact that they had, that Gus Malzahn had just got destroyed by Alabama. I think that it was like the next couple of days he, he decommitted. And then they fire Gus Malzahn. He signs with LSU. Obviously, the transition period did not help Auburn with Armani Goodwin. But before Tank, he didn't have a whole lot of time to recruit here either. So it's really his first, his first, he's had two real years to recruit at Auburn. He got Tank Bigsby and he loses one recruit what happens over these next two years this next year and a half for him as a recruiter that's going to speak a lot about Cornell Williams and 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 what he is as a recruiter for this Auburn staff because he's going to have to be a good recruiter Auburn needs some running backs right now especially when there's going to be more stability and for the past few years it's been is Gus Malzahn out is he not is he on the hot seat is he not I think the next two years are pretty safe for Coach Harson, unless just the bottom absolutely falls out. I think the out. next three years are safe if, if the bottom yes. absolutely doesn't fall yeah, out. Yeah, as long as as long as you are providing zero and twelve, providing a consistent trajectory upward as well. I think this will be time. able to show what Carnell can do in terms of recruiting because he can recruit a stable situation instead of. Yeah, you can come here, but the coach might be gone next week. There's a different see will that I want to see if he picks up right where the position group left off, and that's yep. Cornelius Williams. Cody Burns did a solid job recruiting wide receiver at Auburn, probably better than we're used to seeing before Cody Burns probably, got there. I think better than people truly give him credit for. I don't think people really think about the kind of guys Cody Burns was bringing sure. in. Cornelius Williams has to be super excited to be at Auburn. I'm sure he is considering he was at Troy for six years and nothing against Troy but I don't know if he had opportunities to go elsewhere during that six-year time period at Troy I'm sure the opportunity had to have cropped up 
but he must have wanted to be an in-state guy and be at one of these programs and he's gotten a shot at Auburn he's a Birmingham native because he played ball at Hoover well-known name and he's done it at Troy he's another guy that I think here in this deep southeast area could end up being a good recruiter on that side of the ball he's got to he's got to live up to what Cody Burns did though we'll see if it takes any type of drop since he's gotten there because Auburn has recruited the position well and now something else that you can sell receivers for the first time that you haven't been able to sell in a little while is there's not a log jam up there anymore there there's not a log jam of receivers I feel like every year we've been saying for a long time now like the last you know four or five years we've been saying there's a log jam at wide receiver and it wasn't even just with Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stove and Eli Stove's been around for like six years you know five years but it's it's felt like there was a log jam at receiver just some guys transferred out like Nate Craig Myers um Kyle Davis didn't work out um trying to think of other guys Darius Slayton left the league earlier that was the original group that was the log jam and then those other guys stepped in like Seth Williams and Eli Stove and Anthony Schwartz but outside of that a lot of the other receivers just kind of got lost got lost in the wind you know and and now now it's it's wide open now it's wide wide open open. you can come in and sell that playing time to a young player and say hey if you come in here and prove that you play as well as your recruiting profile says you are you're going to be on the field and I think that that works well for coach Williams because or coach Cornelius Williams because I think he is a good developer because he's gotten that done at Troy with less talent I think he can get some guys in and really get a lot out of them so I think he's a another guy who's unproven that doesn't mean bad at recruiting just really unproven there are seven unproven guys on this recruiting staff it makes me excited I know that I know you'd rather have someone's stability but this shows that these guys could really step up and be just phenomenal recruiters we just haven't seen it yet and I think they're in a great position to do so the only three that I would say aren't unproven at least have some type of track record having to do it a lot at this level Derek Mason Mike Bobo and Will Friend and Will Friend I think is going to have the most scrutiny on himself the offensive line coach has had the most scrutiny on themselves and rightfully so for the past uh, oh yeah three years four years Herb Hand Grimes and this past year with Bicknell who I think did the best with what he had because you look at the recruits that mm-hmm. came in for Auburn on that line I mean there was a two-star on that line for Auburn there were two low three-star defensive tackles starting on the left side of the line the side of the line that's supposed to be your strong side they had two low star uh low three-star defensive tackles that were starting on that side of the ball he didn't have a whole lot to work with that should never happen at that all. should not that, that should, should never happen that shouldn't at happen at any sec school i mean Absolutely that's that's not. horrible that should never happen at auburn and the fact that it did is an absolute travesty and, and so he didn't have a whole lot to work with i think he did the best with what he had but will friend now there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on him recruiting the position because there's been since Herb Hand as far as development and even recruiting too. So this is going to be it's going to be big to watch Will Friend and what he can do. Last segment of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. We're wrapping up our work week. Stay with us. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Last segment of On the Line of the Week here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner-Levi with you here on the show. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Probably not a good idea to mess with a retired CIA Black Ops operative with the nickname The Equalizer. The Equalizer 2 is on FX at 7. Bad guys play the good guy role. Suicide Squad is on TBS at 6.30. In live sports, it's a mid-major night with college basketball. Number 22 St. Louis is at Richmond on ESPN2 at 5.30. At 6, Ohio takes on Buffalo on ESPNU. At 7.30 on ESPN2. It'll be Coastal Carolina at Georgia Southern. At 8, it's the headliner Friday night matchup in the Big Ten between number 7 Iowa and number 19 Illinois on FS1. Wrapping up the night at 10 on FS1, Boise State at Colorado State. Two NBA games are on ESPN starting at 6.30 with the Milwaukee Bucks at the New Orleans Pelicans. Giannis versus Zion Williamson. At 9, the Mavericks are at the Jazz. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Let's take a look at tomorrow's college basketball schedule. Travis made the bold prediction, and I'm here for it. It's going to have a lot of people grinning ear to ear tomorrow if it happens. Alabama possibly could lose tomorrow to Oklahoma. I think that's more likely than Auburn beating Baylor tomorrow. Would you agree with that statement? I agree that it's more likely, yes. It's more likely. He made the bold statement that both happen. Alabama loses and Auburn wins. I'm here for it. That is hype. That is absolutely hype. That would be huge for Auburn. Um, and then in the college basketball world, obviously, like seeing an upset's always fun. Oklahoma's building up um, some momentum going into this game because they already upset number five Texas this week. And we talk about a big week for Oklahoma. They got to play two top 10 teams in the AP poll this week, and they've already risen to the challenge once. It's got to be a little bit easier now the second go round. And I think Alabama's probably a little bit worse than Texas is about the same plane Alabama is definitely on that two line right now let's look at this SEC Big 12 challenge though trying to go through the entire schedule here help me if I miss anything you got number nine Alabama at number 24 Oklahoma Texas A&M at Kansas State number 10 Texas Tech at LSU Florida at number 11 West Virginia TCU at number 12 Missouri Auburn at number two, Baylor, Arkansas at Oklahoma State. And I think that's about it for the schedule. Tennessee, number 18 in the country, hosting number 15, Kansas, and Iowa State at Mississippi State. And that should that should do it for the SEC Big 12 Challenge, unless I'm leaving any off. What do you think about the most important game in the SEC Big 12 Challenge? Which one do you think that might be? The most important game, I think, is Alabama at Oklahoma because it has a lot of implications for both of those teams. I think it it has more implications for Oklahoma than it does Alabama, though. I agree with that because Alabama has been on a tear this year, and they are a lock-in for a relatively high seed in the tournament. But Oklahoma, this could be absolutely year-changing. You just beat number 5 Texas. If you come back and beat number 9 Alabama right after that, that is absolutely going to shoot you straight up. Up seed lines. To the moon. Bracketology, it will, it will skyrocket for Oklahoma. They will move up seed lines after this week. They just entered the top 25 this past week. And now look at them doing more and more damage. They're a team that is trending upwards right now. That game at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Number 10, Texas Tech at LSU doesn't really feel like it has the same ramifications as that top 25 matchup that's the only top 25 matchup tomorrow nope that's not that's not right Tennessee and Kansas there's also a top 25 matchup but Oklahoma Alabama definitely uh, appears to have a little bit more umph to it Kansas 
hasn't been as good as they are traditionally. Tennessee has been a little bit of uh, on a slide. Texas Tech LSU doesn't seem to have the same amount of ramifications, but I do think it could be a fun basketball game when you're talking about a clash of styles. LSU is going to spray it from anywhere on the floor, and now Texas Tech has taken their road show on the road. Um, or it's taking their defense on the road excuse me I don't even know where I was going with that they're taking their defense on the road and I I think where I was going with Mac McClung is taking his show on the road and Mac McClung man I think back is like it makes sense why he didn't come to Auburn but what if he had came to Auburn that would have been fun man that would have been fun I don't know if people would have been sweating losing Sharif Cooper that far out but maybe Mac McClung do something that we all didn't what if what if possibly he knew that Auburn was going to put a postseason ban on it that far back they're just something to consider because matt mcclung at texas tech they're now a top 10 team and he's he, he had a big midweek game against west virginia they lost that game uh that's more of an indictment on his teammates more than him because he went off for 30 oh yeah i mean he's he's an incredible player he would have been nice to have come to auburn understand why if he did maybe know about something maybe a little bit of postseason ban i want to go back on something real quick we were talking to Travis, and he said that both Oklahoma and – he said Oklahoma was going to win, and he also said Auburn was going to win. I crunched quick numbers here. My math is going to be a little bit off just because I was doing it fast. That's a roughly a four-point-ish percent, so like a high you four get percent. If you go through and look at Vegas odds and then you just translate that to implied odds and then just add, and then multiply the two together – this happening and this happening, what is the percentage of that? It's going to be roughly a 4% chance of both of those teams winning, according to Vegas implied odds. That's hot. <laughs> that's hot numbers right there, man. Woo! Again, that's probably a little bit off. It's probably just around that area because I was doing quick maths. Woo! That'd be something right there if that happened. A 4% chance is what you're saying, or around 4% yeah, chance. Right, well, let's get let's there. get some predictions in here then. We'll just pick the Auburn-Baylor game here. What do you think is going to happen? Levi? Who do you got? Auburn Baylor is going to be tough. I think Baylor is absolutely going to go down. I think Auburn's got him. Uh, I'm going. I'm rolling with my boy Travis. Who has Baylor played this year? Absolutely overrated. Overrated conference is the Big Twelve. Hold Haven't on, played hold on. anybody. Back that up, okay? <laughs> who's good in that? Who's good in that conference? Texas just lost. Overrated. They're good. Oklahoma's good. Kansas overrated. is still a good team. Oh, Kansas overrated. I mean, who has Baylor played? Nobody. They beat Illinois. Illinois is overrated. They got beat by Missouri. You know, they were originally scheduled to play Gonzaga, and it didn't happen. And I'm upset about that. That would have been an excellent game. They beat uh, sure a top five Illinois team. I know Baylor's happy because, you know, they didn't have to play Gonzaga and they'd have gotten exposed for the frauds talk that they about are. A, talk about a team who hasn't played anybody. That's Gonzaga. Oh, Illinois, they beat Illinois by 13. They have beaten oklahoma by 15 no, they overrated. beat texas tech by eight they beat oh, kansas one by good team. eight one good team and they win by eight come oh. on man they're gonna get exposed as the frauds they are wow i'm going baylor i think the the task is too tall for auburn i think auburn's gonna go out there and play much better than they did against gonzaga not putting a, not trying to put a damper on the mood here i'm just saying look baylor does a lot of things really well as sting pointed out and sting's pick is Baylor also and he says that in his preview article you can go and find that on radioalabamasports.net Auburn trying to do the unthinkable and uh you know they're just going to have to dominate one stat category or two stat categories that Baylor is excellent at they're going to have to not turn the ball over which Auburn struggles to do and they're going to have to beat Baylor at their own game knocking down copious amounts of threes 
way more than Baylor is, and they're going to have to defend that line. And I think that's that's going to be a little bit too hard for Auburn to do. Baylor's just they're, they're a national championship caliber team. Nah, they're that's overrated. nothing against Auburn. Overrated. Though. They're frauds. They played nobody. Don't lie, don't let the stats lie to you right here. Scouts are probably going to be all over this game too. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another edition of On the Line. Following us, we got The Drive with Bill Cameron wrapping up their work week as well. I hope everybody has a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. You know where to find us.